FM and online, kpfa.org. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It's 3 p.m. Up next is Cover to Cover Open Book. Welcome to Open Book. I'm your host today, Eric Klein. I recently spoke with three folks who are involved with the play, The Miseducation of Oakland, which is based on the oral histories of Oakland students, teachers, and community members regarding the deficiencies in the public education school system in the city of Oakland, California. Michael Torres, your director of theater and the chairman of uh, the theater art department at Laney College. Yes. Uh, maybe you should start by telling us about the the play, the miseducation of of Oakland. Um, where where was the the starting point? The starting point was a couple of years ago in my living room. Um, the other professor involved, Jackie Graves. Um, she and I are engaged. We live together, and she. Um, she came in. She came in one day from the school, and uh, kind of gave me a couple of uh, stats. You know, she came in because she was surprised. Um, now she's our statistician, so our statistician, so she's going to be dead on accurate. But it was something like, you know, fifty percent of uh, the graduates coming out of Oakland Unified School District that come to Laney were reading at a fourth grade level via our tests. You know, our uh, our placement tests. So those are college college kids, reading right? Who have like graduated, uh, and not all graduated. Well, I should like pull that back. Um, I assumed they all had graduated from high school, but some of them probably didn't. You know, but anyway, they're they're at Laney. They were taking placement tests, and through the uh, through their assessments, uh, it was found out that a lot were reading at at a fourth grade level. Well, I I have to jump in and just I want to ask if that. If that means what I think it means, or does does that just mean that some of these kids aren't testing well? They can read, but they don't know how to take a reading test. It's a combination of the both. Some of them don't test well, and some of them cannot read. Um, I've heard it. I think Dahlia like walked into a class not too long ago when she was like learning how to portray Jackie, and uh, and saw it first. She saw for herself, you know, the. the levels that they're reading at and she came back to me and she was like michael um they're learning stuff that i learned in the sixth grade um and it's a it's a sad reality it's uh it's a truth and we're talking about graduates of the oakland city school system yeah the most some of them some of them some of them not but definitely products of the okay. oakland unified school district so dahlia you grew up in germany and you went to high school in Arkansas, and now you're a college student in Oakland. As someone with those experiences, uh, what differences have you noticed with the educational opportunities here in Oakland uh, compared to those other places where you've lived and gone to school? You know, I think I just got a um, a better foundation that, you know, the teachers in Germany, you know, you, you have more material, and uh, it's... Um, 
there's a lot more expected from you. So I think I have a strong foundation through that. And so I thought I just expected more, you know, coming to California. So, Michael Torres, you were faced with this statistic. Why, um, why make a play about it? It's, it's the only way you know how to do things, you know. As a, um, I was a professional theater artist or an actor for 20, 21 years, and uh, I spent most of my life in school, you know, acting. So um, it's it's what I know to do. It's like, oh my God, that's that's horrendous. I, it's we need to tell a story about it. So you so you made a play called The Miseducation of Oakland about about these issues surrounding Oakland's difficulties with education. Where where did you go to next after this staggering statistic that you started with? Well, it kind of just went it kind of went on a back burner. Jackie and I would like talk about it from time to time. And then some other teachers uh were involved with um this grant called the Carnegie uh grant and uh, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about that. That was like in the English department and it just the results of what they were learning and how to how to um make adjustments in uh, the reading levels for the students through this this Carnegie grant they they came up with the idea of like creating uh, what they were calling a reader's theater idea and um they were talking to Jackie about it and Jackie forwarded me a message on it and I was like oh you know this is what we've been talking about we've been talking about creating a play about um the reading statistics and uh, the writing statistics here in Laney, this might be our, our, our shot. So what what is a reader's theater then? Well, my understanding of a reader's theater is, um, one, you've got, you know, you, you, nobody's off, off book or the lines aren't learned. It's everything's on a music stand and um, you are reading whatever right, right. they've put in front of you. You know, it could be could be monologues, could be interviews, could be anything. But you know, you're reading it live uh, in front of a group of people. I wanted to advance it from that and go. No, why don't we like look at something that's uh, more Anna Devere Smith, more Laramie Project, like you know, and and uh, and uh, everybody seemed to like that idea. It's, and that's based on uh, like an oral history of a of a of an event. Absolutely. Okay. And so you guys started to interview people? Yes. In Oakland? Yes. Jackie and um and uh, um and some of her cohorts over in English department got together and they developed a curriculum for a brand new class called Community Voices Theater Project that lived in the English department. And uh in that class, um Jackie taught her uh students uh how to interview you know, and they collected something thirty plus questions uh while they were there and uh and then she um through their grant they had uh something like twelve or thirteen of these like really great digital recorders and a couple of those really fine Olympus cameras and uh they went out and they interviewed out into the uh community. So um yeah, they pretty much interviewed people they knew. So it was like parents, teachers their own children, students, and uh, they came back with uh, with hours and hours and hours and hours of uh, interview. Um, we received a we received a grant from the Barry Lip Foundation to um, for five thousand dollars to hire a transcriber to uh, transcribe a, a bulk of those interviews into um, pages. 
which was really, really helpful. Wow. Well, we're joined in studio here by Michael Torres. He's a director of theater at the Laney College, and he directed The Miseducation of Oakland. We're also joined by Dahlia Hare, who is an actor and a theater arts major and an actor in The Miseducation of Oakland, and Jonathan Williams, who's also uh, featured in the play uh, The Miseducation of Oakland. Uh, Jonathan, did you grow up in, in Oakland? Yeah, I grew up um, all around Oakland. I lived um, in the west and the east, and then I moved to Reno, and then I moved back to Oakland. So I really lived like all around Oakland, literally. So did anything from the interviews that make up the text of this play uh, surprise you? Um, It didn't really surprise me. It just really, like came i guess you can say it just brought everything to the front like i knew that you know all this type of stuff was happening but it's just like here's the proof and you know here's what's really happening but i could see like all throughout my life i could see all the signs like everything in the play i can really relate to because i've seen it growing up coming from you know i lived in middle class and then i lived in all the way to the bottom class you know so i've seen all the things that's going on in this play i've seen all this happen personally you know so so then what kind of things are happening in oakland that you've seen that would mean that you weren't surprised that so many laney college students were coming uh, to school uh, with such low reading abilities well i mean there's there's so like really so many factors to it um a couple of the things that i've seen growing up was um lack of resources in the school books i mean a lot of times i went to school our books were either the pages were torn there was writing in it or we just didn't have the supplies that we needed to you know to learn and teachers like not i mean like teachers who weren't really there to teach they were just there to get paid you know and it really shows when you're really trying to teach a student so that showed up a lot like in my life and i and i know it comes up in the play a lot so that's one of the one of the other things and and also like personal home um I guess circumstances. Uh, a lot of families were on drugs, and a lot of kids were just, you know, really neglected or and weren't paid attention attention to by their own family. So they went elsewhere to, you know, look for that sort of, you know, caring or love or anything like that. So they end up going to gangs or just anywhere that they can find. So it shows up in the school when they're like, you know, just looking for attention, and it's seen as as either being wild or being bad or or something like that. But when you really look to the the core of it is just kids trying to find someone to look up to, someone to care for them because they're not getting that at their homes. Because, you know, a lot of um, where I've come from, a lot like around my neighborhoods so I've grown up, a lot of the kids' parents were on drugs or either they weren't there or just a lot of hard circumstances that kids really don't have any control over. So I've seen a lot of kids really just looking out for that sort of support, you know. Well, that's the voice of Jonathan Williams. He's a performer, an actor, and a dancer, and a drummer in the play, The Miseducation of Oakland. The play uh, was mounted um, in late October, but it will be coming back to um, to the stage for a benefit show that we'll tell you more about in a little bit. I want to uh, switch to speaking now to Dahlia Hare, who's also a performer in the play, um, about uh, playing a character who happens to be uh, Michael Torres is the director, who's also in studio with us, uh, his his wife at Laney. Um, fiance. <laughs> fiance. Oh, thank you for the correction. Uh, tell tell us about how, I mean, tell us a little bit about, about your character and how you approached playing someone who you, who you might even know very well. Um, well, 
Jackie, like he's like Michael said, she was she had a big um, part in creating the project. Um, she taught the class where you know the students um, did the interviews. Um, I went into her class to kind of observe her. Um, and the funny thing is, we're, we're already kind of alike. We have like, you know, some of the same characteristics and the same vibe, kind of. And um, she was also somebody that I thought was very inspiring because when I went to her class, um, I really was, you know, I liked how she she was very engaged with the students, very um, patient and. Um, you know, she seemed like a really great teacher, and like she, she seemed like she had that caring personality for each one of the students, and um, that inspired me a lot because, um, you know, that's one of the main things that that we talk about in the play. You know, like as Jonathan said, you know how people are neglected, and you know if it's not at home, you know, and not at school, then you know where else can they find it? So. Um, she was a very, she's a very great example, I think. And like I said, we already have, you know, kind of the similar personality and, um, yeah, and I, and I observed her, so. Do, well, do you want to give that performance now, the, the monologue from the, from the play? Sure. Okay, well, is there anything we should know to set it up, Michael? No, I think we covered it, you know, this is, um, <clears throat> Jackie didn't know that she was being interviewed when this happened. You know, this is a, a, a um, student had a recorder on and caught how inspirational Jackie is off the off the cuff. Mm. Okay, wonderful. Okay, I'm just thinking about how the course came to be. You know, uh, working as a creative writing instructor here and collaborating with the theater department to create these fusion projects, we were really excited about. Our students were really excited about seeing their own words on stage is just um, empowering and exciting for a lot of people. And just the community involvement, the uniquely laney nature of creating something we're going to be able to see. And the transformative nature of theater, having experienced where you walk into a space and you're seeing something live unfold in front of your eyes. Every night it's different, and every time you do that, you walk out a different person, I think. And having been part of the Carnegie Foundation grad here, having spent a year working with other teachers and kind of talking about teaching and thinking and learning and how do we help our students learn better and how do we teach better and how do we close the achievement gaps. And how do we do a better job here with what we have? And part of my process in that was working with my basic skills class using some of the reading apprenticeship methods of teaching reading. And the way I started my class was by having my students talk about reading and power and the relationship between reading and power. I have them thinking about their own reading, their own experience with reading. And I have them writing their own autobiographies as a reader, which was kind of an odd thing for some of them to even think about. And doing interviews with family members, friends, parents about reading and what role reading plays in their lives and in their jobs and their schools. And just being really fascinated about these stories, talking with other teachers and sharing ideas about these stories, talking with Kathleen Peppard in the ESL department for people for whom English is their second language, those stories of reading and how those are different. Kathleen said there should be a theater project. We should have a reader's theater. 
And so the seed was kind of planted there in these conversations. And I wrote about this idea in one of my reports that I had to turn into the Carnegie Grant. And Meryl Siegel and Catherine Crystal kind of picked up on it and said, why don't we do that? Why don't we? And so they brought Michael and Taurus and me in. We had a little meeting and said, why don't we create this class? And we brainstormed a little bit about what it would be like. And we were thinking about Anna DeVere Smith. You know, I've seen Anna DeVere Smith perform a couple of times. One time out in New York when she was doing her Crown Heights story. And one time out in San Francisco when she was talking about the L.A. riots, the Rodney King piece. And both times were absolutely, mind-blowingly transformative experiences and just powerful theater. And we were thinking we could do that here. When I was at Mills and we created the Listen Up project with the Mills graduate students and the Upward Bound program there, we had just seen Rodessa Jones's theater for incarcerated women, which did writing workshops with women who were in prison and put them on stage. The women told their own stories. And I remember seeing that right before we created Listen Up and that inspired that project. And it was kind of like these just powerful, the power of storytelling, the power of telling our stories, the power of seeing our stories is so transformative. So, you know, all these ideas were flowing. We were really excited about the possibility. And when we were thinking about reading, writing, literacy, education, empowerment, and how all those things go together, and then all of these horrendous statistics about people dropping out of school, and the success rates, and the retention rates, and all of these, like, sad story statistics, I mean... I can't help but think of the stories of students I hear in my classes every day, which are so beautiful and so powerful and so transforming. And the success stories I see of students I've worked with in just four years at Laney who are going to Cal, who have these jobs, who have turned around and are continuing to mentor or tutor or inspire other people. These stories have to be told. And I mean, I think as as we see these stories, my hope is that like a lot of us are saying, people are inspired to do something about it, to look at the inequities and say, hey, something's got to be done. This can't go on. Things have to change. Like when we had Tony Cook in here, you know, they were sitting on the Oakland school board and we're like, here we are, African-American people majority on the board of the school we can't keep doing things the same way that we've done so it's like we can't look to arnold schwarzenegger to solve our problems we have to look to our own community to solve our problems and i think by empowering you guys you guys are so powerful when i look at you with your tape recorders in hand and you're saying let me go talk to people and people are saying yeah you got to talk to so-and-so you got to talk to so-and-so i think we're getting we're, we're mobilizing and I think every single interview is an intervention in a way. Every single interview is a transformation. So I hope that the whole project, when you put all this stuff together, is going to have an effect, an impact on education in Oakland. And I think when we impact education in Oakland, that's a key to a whole lot of other stuff. Because I think a lot of these people who are running around on the streets, who are lost souls and don't know what the hell they're doing, you know, if we can get them if we can teach them, if we can show them who we are, if we can light that fire, if we can get them to read books and explore things in different ways, that's going to solve a lot of other problems with violence, with crime, with unemployment. I mean, I think education is key. And I 
think we got to start with ourselves. We can't look for somebody else to do it for us. So I hear these stories. I hope that we can look at ourselves and do something. I'm a firm believer of each one teach one. I feel like, I don't feel like, oh, I can point a finger and say somebody else go do it. I'm definitely a believer in the whole Gandhi thing. We have to be the change we want to see. And in my African-American learning community right now, the students are like, why didn't anybody teach us this stuff? You know, why didn't we learn this young? Why didn't we learn this as a kid? If we know who we are and where we're from, that's going to make a huge difference. And a lot of the community is lost because of all the torture and abuse and disassociation from slavery. And I tell them, take what you learn and talk to somebody. They're like, they're not going to listen. They're not, they're going to throw this piece of paper out. I'm like, plant the seed. You may not change that person in the moment. You may not change them in 10 times having that conversation. But maybe that 11th time, it's going to just sink in. They're going to wake up. And that's the voice of Dahlia Hare, who's performing a, 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 a scene from The Miseducation of Oakland, a, Laney, a play that was put on at the Laney stage in late October, of um, much like the Laramie Project, with many listeners might be familiar with. And uh, Dahlia was playing the part of professor at Laney, uh, Jackie Graves, who was instrumental in putting this play on. And uh, we're joined in the studio here at KPFA by Michael Torres, director of the play, Dolly Hare, the performer you just heard, and Jonathan Williams, who's also a performer in the play. Uh, listening to that, Dolly, it reminded me of um, this this article that I just read. That the 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 clever title of the article was "Will you read this article?" <laughs> and the point of it was was that because they asked the question, um, it was based on uh, scientific studies, but 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 the clever twist was that be, just asking the question, "Will you read this article?" made a whole um, was made you much more likely to read it. Right. And it was about the the act of of asking a question uh, opens up in people's minds a whole new right. a whole new series of thoughts that they might not have uh, had originally. I wonder if uh, if any of you guys want to take with that and run with it. Like how how the the miseducation of Oakland asking questions of the community might have already uh, opened up a new space. Sure has. Um, the play run has two acts, runs about two hours. Um, what we what we noticed is, uh, is that there's always a third act, and that the community, and that's the community. The community doesn't usually want to, we've noticed with this play at the end, community's not so anxious to leave the space. Uh, they want to talk. They'll talk to the actors. They come talk to me. If Jackie's in the space, they'll talk to her. And they want to tell their own stories uh, there. And um, and it's so the whole community voices thing continues on. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the entire title of the gig is uh, the Community Voices Theater Project, colon, The Miseducation of Oakland. So they all like, so, um, so yes, uh, the big, there's a big what if at the end of the play, you know, um, which is, uh, what we were going for without having said it, you know, what if, and, uh, people are, are reacting to that and wanting to talk. Uh, the play, like I said, is inspiring people to like, uh, speak to each other, speak out, you know, in ways I, I, I haven't seen. I've had teachers that, um, that were at Laney that I've known for, I've only been there six years, but that I've known for those entire six years telling me stories that, uh, I had, uh, I had no idea about. I mean, all of a sudden they're unlocking.
Well, this play, The Miseducation of Oakland, is being performed tonight, Friday, December 11th at 8 p.m. at Laney College. Tickets are available at the door. Michael Torres, you were telling me that there's a lot of interest in the play in the educational community uh, from other community colleges, for instance. What sort of form is that interest taking? Are you going on tour? I think people, I think what they're, they're wanting to, like, have it come, you know, to them, see it, witness it, and, uh, they want to learn how to, uh, to, how to do this for themselves, because we all had a, a conversation about a, a, another what if, which is like, what if all the community colleges had, you know, uh, like a professional director and a, and, a, and a writer on board there, you know, that taught classes. Um, who could assist uh, students in putting together, you know, stories that are particular to their own communities, you know, to tell their own particular community stories and uh, what kind of healing might happen from that. And again, uh, seeing yourself live, you know, um, I can't tell you, these teachers, they're just like, they, they, they were beside themselves to see themselves portrayed by, you know, the students. And um, to have themselves sort of deified, you know, on stage that way, um, it was just, it was, it was a glorious thing. Uh, and the word, that I, the two words that I've been hearing most often coming out of the mouths of these professors, um, Laney and other schools as well, was that it was powerful and that it was healing and that it was community healing. You know, to uh, witness this. So, anyway, to make a long story short, all these other schools uh, here in the Western region uh, were very, 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 very curious about how uh, how it all came together and how might they be able to do it. We have a promo video that we're that we've put together and that we're going to send out. Uh, we're hoping to create a larger video as well. And if, if people uh, who are Googlers want to find that video, what do they look for on the Internet? Oh, sure. It it's, on it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's the it's simply the miseducation of Oakland. And there's a five-minute uh, promo. Okay. Well, Michael Torres, Jonathan Williams, and Dahlia Hare, I want to thank you so much for coming into KPFA to share with the listeners this project of yours, the miseducation of Oakland. Um, is there anything else you would like to add as we close out, uh, specifically about the lessons you've learned working on a project like this? Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, the whole process of putting this play together and um, hearing, you know, my my fellow students' stories you know some of them portray portrayed themselves actually you know so it was a real story and it really made me realize even more I always knew that education was the key um so to speak and you know it made me realize that um hearing people's stories is just so inspiring and that's what we need is education is so important it's like if a lot of young people especially in West Oakland you know in the ghetto, in the hood, if they had uh, an element of education in their lives, they wouldn't be standing out there. You know what I mean? It, it affects your life so tremendously. And I wasn't really aware of that. You know, how in, in teachers, you know, there are so many teachers at Laney alone that inspire people. And that makes all the difference because as you hear in the stories, the how your education affected you will I mean, it carries through your whole life. So it really opened my eyes on how, how much it affects us. And and what's missing then? I mean, how come that's not happening in Oakland? Because I think it's all about having a strong foundation. And, you know, like, 
the middle schools and I mean it starts at in kindergarten, you know, and I think I mean I'm not you know, I don't have kids or anything, so I'm not sure, but it's it, it should be more material, it should be more advanced, there should be more resources, you know, we all know there should be more money going into schools and it's just not there, but there's a there are a lot of teachers who who just really inspire people to do better in their lives and if if we have that early on it it's going to make all the difference i think well that'll do it for open book today i've been your guest host eric klein thanks for listening years of KPFA, a legacy. This is Sandy in Oakland. My parents were original subscribers to KPFA when it first came on the air, even though we did not live in this area. We lived in uh, uh, the peninsula. All I remember hearing is good things about KPFA, and when I became a college student in 1957, I listened to the station and been listening and been subscribing ever since. So, uh, Keep up the good work, and um, thank you very much. Become part of KPFA's legacy. Visit kpfa.org slash support for information about how donating a car or participating in planned giving will keep KPFA on the air for generations to come.